Can anyone help me? Can anybody here help me? I found myself all twisted up in this cord. It's, um, you know, I thought it was a good thing. It says, it, uh, you know, in the Bible it talks about a cord of three strands, and that's what I have here. And um, I suppose it can be a good thing at times, but I'm, I'm a little bit confused with all this COVID and stuff that's going on. And my strands don't seem to be like I've heard at weddings, uh, a husband and a wife and God makes a strong marriage. Have you heard that? And that's good. But sometimes these cords can be not good. And I've discovered recently that I've got, instead of husband and wife and the Lord, I've got worry, fear, and anxiety. Well, now you just twist those all together and see how you can do. Worry, fear, and anxiety. Well, do you have any worries this morning? Can you think of anything at all? Or maybe an anxiety? What, what do your thoughts go back to constantly? Some people say, oh, I don't worry. I just think about it a lot. Well, call it whatever you'd like. I still am finding this worry, fear, and anxiety is not comfortable. It, in fact, sometimes I feel like I'm almost going to choke. It's so strong around me. Ha anybody here feel a little bit like that? Or at least I'm hampered. I mean, look at me going around like this. People are going to say, what's the matter with him? Well, sometimes I wonder too, what's the matter how come worry, fear, and anxiety are so strong? You see, Solomon was right. A strong cord is not easily broken. So I was looking, well, bless you, or whatever that was. I, I thought it didn't sound like an amen, so I thought I should just probably go on. Actually, it's nothing to sneeze at when I... Well, anyway, as, as I was saying, I, so I, I looked around um, in my memory and where could I find some advice on how to loosen the power of this cord? So I, I, I remembered that, um, what was his name? Bobby McFerrin had a song once, and it was in, uh, oh, the late 80s, I think. Maybe you've heard it. It's, it's, it's kind of famous. It's like, here's a little song I wrote. I hope you sing it note by note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life uh, must come some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. So I tried that. Have you ever tried that? When worry comes, just say, ah, don't worry. Be happy. Or when anxiety comes, don't worry. Be happy. Is that, how's that working for you? Yeah, I didn't think so. It's not working too well for me either. It's a catchy song, though, if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, there might be somebody in this room that hasn't heard it. It's worth listening to. So then, well, that didn't work. So then I got to thinking, well, what else have I heard? Oh, yeah, I remembered about Bob Newhart. Anybody remember Bob Newhart? He was really big, well, when we were younger. And uh, some of the, the younger folks say, Bob who? But anyway, it's a, one of his most famous sketches, 
It talks about a, um, uh, it, it involves a, maybe you've seen it on, on the internet, or maybe you remember when it first came out, but it talked about uh, this lady that comes into his office. He's over at his, at his uh, uh, he's washing his hands as she comes in, and the lady comes in, and she's looking for counseling. He's a psychiatrist, and so she says, should I lie in the bed? He says, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. Oh, we don't do that anymore. And some of you can remember this, and if not, just bear with me for a minute or two. And so she sits down, and she pours out her heart to him and says, my fear is that somebody's going to bury me alive in a box. He listens carefully. He says, well, I have two words for you. And then he fairly shouts, stop it. Oh, that takes her back quite a bit. And stop it? Uh, well, stop it? Is that what you said? And he said, I can't tell you how many times people have said that. It's English. Stop it. Don't think about it anymore. Well, and he went on with other problems. She was bulimic. Stop it. She was uh, self-destructive beha- behavior patterns were creeping in. Stop it. Well, how does, how does that work? I thought I'd try it too. So next time I was tempted to be fearful or to worry or have anxiety, I just told myself, stop it. Just stop it. This is silly. It's sinful. Don't do it. That didn't work too well either. But you could try it. In fact, let's try it now. Do do you have a worry? Remember I asked you if you had a worry. Do you have a worry? Well, my advice to you is stop it. Aren't you glad you came today? Something you can remember. Stop it. Are you tempted to sin? Stop it. Wow, it sounds so easy, doesn't it? Do you have anxieties? Stop it. Well, as we know, that doesn't always work either. And some of you that are the super spiritual type are going to say, but with God, all things are possible. And we can overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that is true. That we do have that ability But sometimes we still think about worry, fear, anxiety. Am I the only one? Or is there somebody in here that can identify with that? Stop it just isn't enough. So then I did a little more research, and for this I need some notes because there's all kinds of facts and figures. And I also need a little drink. I get so excited when I'm talking here. If we're honest with ourselves, stop it doesn't work. And neither does don't worry, be happy. But if we're honest, we do catch ourselves worrying. We do catch ourselves slipping into anxiety and fear. And then we worry more. Because the more we worry and have fear or are anxious, the more we find ourselves sinking deeper and deeper into the abyss of feeling guilty and helpless and sometimes hopeless. And then we worry about how we feel. You know, Christians aren't supposed to, supposed to feel this way, right? Well, another idea that I appealed to was logic. And I found a report from some psychologists that have pointed out that of our worries never happen. 40%, that's that's pretty high, isn't it? 30% are past. 
and therefore we have no control over them. We worry about things that have happened in the past. There's nothing we can do about it. 12% are imaginary ills. Some call them hypochondriacs. And 10% are about friends and relatives who are quite capable of taking care of themselves. Thank you. So what does that leave for you mathematicians? About 8% of our worries have actual real causes. And then worrying about it doesn't really help, does it? Have you noticed that? I seem to find myself focusing on that 8% from time to time. The 8% that are real of my fears and my worries and my anxieties. What hope do we have today then? Here we've, we've come to church not just to wallow in our, in our situation, but to find some solutions. And I'm, I'm on a journey, and I hope you are too. I'm not the same person I was a year ago or even last March. And I hope that you have found that you've grown through this time too. If we're looking for hope, if we're looking for peace, our theme of the day, we need to look no farther than the reports of the fearful shepherds who were told to relax and have peace that day so long ago. Let me read again the story from Luke chapter 2, just a portion of it. You've heard it so many times, but pretend that this is the first time that you've ever heard it, if you can. Just listen with new ears. It's like, oh, oh, and listen carefully. So this is what the word of the Lord says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of God, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. In effect, the angels are saying, don't be afraid. Don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Don't be a slave to your anxieties. I have good news for you today. Let's keep it in perspective. Just calm down. Maybe that's what we need today a little bit. Just calm down. Things are bad. There are lots of things we could worry about. Things we're tempted to be anxious about. Things over which we have no control. So how can I be counted, I asked myself as one with whom God is pleased. 
It says, peace to those who, with whom God is pleased. I realize I have to find peace with God if I'm going to please him. And where does that peace come from? It comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus, the bridge between God, a holy God, and sinful mankind. And it was made possible, effected through his sacrificial death. And the Bible says, having made peace through the blood of his cross. If I'm bound by worry, fear, and anxiety, the first step to gaining freedom is to find peace with God, to make sure that I am a child of God. I have to ask you today, do you remember the verse that says, for the wages of sin is death? That's the bad news. But what else does it say? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we can focus on the bad news, the wages of sin is death, or we can focus on the good news. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I probably know the answer for most of you, but I need to ask you, have you believed, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Every Christmas, there are people who come to church that think by coming to church, they're going to have peace with God. But that peace is shallow and not lasting. It's, it's not authentic. So I don't take it for granted just because you're here today. Although there's a good chance that if you weren't, you wouldn't be making the supreme effort with the masks and all of that. But let's make sure we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's rejoice in the fact that we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've been reconciled with God through the blood of Christ. Let that sink in. Think more about that than of your worries and fears and anxieties. Just, just focus on that. And then once we have peace with God, we are eligible to receive peace from God. The peace of God that we're talking about now is that of salvation and reconciliation. And now the peace from God is a tranquil state of mind. A tranquil state of mind. It's only when we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that we can experience this tranquil mind. And it's, one of the fruit, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is, you know it so well, love, joy, peace. There it is. It's the third one. It's still important. They're all important. But love, joy, joy was our theme last week, and peace. Isaiah 26.3 tells us that God will keep in perfect peace, those whose minds are stayed on him. What does it mean to have a mind stayed on him? A mind that leans on him. A heart that centers on him. A person who trusts in him. Our tranquility, our, our state of mind and, and peace is to the degree that our mind is focused Stayed on God, not stayed on our worries, our fears, and our anxieties. And I know this is easy to say, and it's hard to do, 
but let's, let's give it some thought, okay? Let's give it some thought, and there we'll find some hope, and we'll find a lot of peace, peace. Thinking more about God and less about our worries and fears and anxiety, we'll, we will find the stranglehold loosening. It's, it's still there, but, but it's loosening. It's not nearly as, as it, tight as it was when I first came in. Peace with God. Peace from God. And how can we trust somebody we don't know? Not as well as we, as we would like. So we need to continue to get to know Jesus better. And so that's one of my goals too. Well, that is something you already know. And this tranquil mind, this intimate knowledge, this complete trust in God is in the one who will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Did you notice it said all of your needs? Not some of your needs. All of your needs. And again, it's so nice to hear somebody say that, but it's so hard to let it sink into my mind and into my heart. And, and, and this rope is still here. Now, it's, it's farther away than it was before, but still I can look down, I can see it. Oh, yeah, there it is, worries, fears, anxiety. So we have a little more work to do before we can hope to get rid of this cord, this threefold cord that is so strong, I just can't seem to break it. And it just seems to be choking me. But it's better than it was. So I'm just going to suggest five antidotes to, to, the, to, to peace, uh, to, to worry, I mean, and, to gain, and, and steps to gaining peace. An antidote to worry, fear, and anxiety. Now, there are probably dozens of these, and take heart. We don't have time for dozens of them, and nor do we have the capacity to absorb all of that. And I'm pushing it a little bit by suggesting five. And I'm also dismaying some of you that are thinking, five? Well, how long is that going to take? <laughs> well, one and a half to two minutes each, all right? So just bear with me. Stay with me. The first thing I would like to suggest is trust in the Lord. Oh, and all of these, by the way, do come from the Bible, all right? So it just, that sometimes goes without saying, but it needs to be said. The verse I have in mind here is Psalm 37, 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Trust him. So what is your worry? I don't know. I bet you haven't forgotten it. Maybe it's a little dimmer, I hope, but you probably haven't, or your anxiety, or your fear. Trust, trust him. And he will help you. Someone wisely said, trust sees life as it really is. Worry sees life cross-eyed. I like that. I wish I had been clever enough to compose that myself. But I found it and I want to share it with you. Trust sees life as it really is. Worry sees life cross-eyed. Trust calls on the Lord in prayer for faith and understanding. Worry relies on self for solutions. Worry and trust are mutually exclusive. 
mutually exclusive. We can no more worry and trust at the same time than we can stand and sit down at the same time. We can be partially there. Have you noticed that? I, I'm really, I'm not standing, I'm, I'm not sitting down. And we think we can be, you know, partially worry, partially fear, partially anxiety, and partially trust. But the more we trust, the less we fear. The more we have anxiety, the less we trust. It's a continuum. So think about that. Worry and trust are mutually exclusive. Number two, do good. Psalm 37.3 suggests another antidote for worry and fear and anxiety, and that is doing good. Doing good. Trust in the Lord and, it says, do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Doing good. Wow, I, I feel good when I help someone else. How about you? Have you ever noticed that? When you're helping somebody, here, can I help you carry that? Or here, can I take you to the grocery store? Or here, can I fetch you something or bring you a meal or, or whatever it might be? Don't you feel good when you do that? And why is that? Because for a brief moment of time, the emphasis, the focus, the thought is off of me. And it's put onto somebody else. They have a need. And it's something I can do. And as I'm helping them, I do feel better. And as I'm helping them, I don't have the time. I don't have the desire. I don't have the energy to sit around worrying, fretting, and being anxious. When I'm actually actively helping somebody else, this kind of, this, this loosens. This loosens. Now, at night, in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, sometimes it comes back with a force. But when I'm doing good, I feel more peaceful, more trustful. Try it sometime. It really works. Jesus wisely said, you are more blessed when you give than when you, when you receive because our great creator knows how we are wired how we are made, and that it is in giving that we truly receive. Would you agree to that? Some of you are nodding. Some of you are looking very perplexed. Try it. A phone call, an email, an old-fashioned snail mail letter. It can do a lot for the other person, but it can do a lot for you as well. And so somehow I feel the, the rope is is loosening a, a little bit more. Let's see if we can, oh yeah, it's still there though. There's still a problem, but it, it's, much, it's much better than it was. Well, now, now my worries are practically on the floor, and that's a, that's a good sign, I guess. But anyway, number three is have a good sense of humor. Now, you're going to say, Pastor, I, I thought you said these were all from the Bible. <laughs> Where does it say have something about it? good sense of humor in the Bible. Well, it doesn't take much of a stretch to come to Proverbs 17:22, which declares, and I quote, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Do you know that? Oh, look, it's just kind of folding away now. Even just talking about it, it's almost gone. Well, this is great. 
hard to find good props these days. <laughs> so, may I say, in all piety and sanctimoniousness, lighten up! Lighten up! Don't take yourself so seriously. I did that for decades, and I missed out on so much of the joy of life. I think I'm make, trying to make up for it now, maybe going overboard a little bit. In fact, um, I need another drink of water. <laughs> One of the best antidotes for worry and anxiety and depression is a good sense of humor. It's a business asset. It attracts and keeps friends. I mean, who wants to be, uh, who wants to be around somebody that's always griping? You know, you got to pick it up off the floor, but there it is. Their worries, their fear, and the anxiety. You know those kind of people? When you go to them and, oh, life is so bad. Life is so terrible. I don't see anything good. I don't see anything humorous. I just think that the, the sky is falling, as Chicken Little once said. Who wants a friend like that? Now, sometimes when we're doing good, we have to do good for people like that. Don't get me wrong. But you yourself, lighten up. Lighten the burdens. It's a sense of humor is the direct route to serenity and contentment, somebody said once. See the sunny side of life. Not in a naive way. I know people like that, too. Not in an unrealistic way, but with the perspective of looking for and expecting and discovering the best in yourself and in other people and in life's circumstances. Yes, there are a lot of things we can't do these days. There are a lot of places we can't go. There are a lot of things we can't get. There's just all kinds of can'ts. True. True enough. But what about the things we can do? What about the things we, we, we can reach out to people? What about the places we can go in the privacy of our car and things like that? There's a lot that we can do. So when you're laughing, when you're looking for and finding and expecting the best in yourself and other people in circumstances, the stranglehold of the unwanted cord unravels even more. Number four is pray, pray. Peace is also experienced because of prayer. The Apostle Paul promises in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, a verse, verses you probably know, some of you by heart, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So the Apostle Paul is not saying don't worry, be happy. He's saying don't worry, pray. I like that better, don't you? Don't worry. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Can we have peace in the midst of trials and tribulations? I hope so. Paul says here, tell God all about your needs. You know, one person that, that could hear about, about your fears, because he already knows already, is God. 
He knows about your fears. He knows about your worries. He knows about your anxieties. So don't pretend that you have it all together. But if you need help unraveling the cord, lessening the, the uh, ability that it has to be broken or loosening the hold, tell God about it. Tell God. Bring it to him in prayer. And even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we know that in all things God works together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So even this tough year, this tough time, we can still find peace because God is working in us and I hope through us. Even discipline and chastening of the Lord yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness, the Bible says, in our lives. They provide a fresh opportunity for hoping in God and praising God and helping us to comfort others when they are going through something that we have gone through as well. Well, that brings us to number five, and we're almost there. I still have a little vestige here, but we're almost there. And I put this one last because this is one I'm still working on. I've been told, and I know in my, my head that it works, but, but, but the scripture says, take delight in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Not in the fact that I'm not worrying. Think about that for a minute. Take delight in the Lord, not delight in the fact that, aha, I'm not worrying. Aha, good for me, huh? I'm not fearing, not having anxiety. But take delight in the Lord, and then suddenly this just drops away. It just isn't important anymore. In fact, that's what Psalm 37, 4 says, and I, I quote once again, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, what are the desires of your heart? Let's try to think beyond COVID. I mean, what are the lifelong desires of your heart? Yes, I want to be free from COVID. That's a good desire. But beyond that, I want to be free from worry. And, and, and oh boy, I really had to reach to get it this time because we're making such good progress. I want to, I want to be free from worry and, and fear and anxieties. How about you? Delight yourself in the Lord. Does don't worry, be happy work for you? It might. And if so, great. Does stop it. Does that work for you? Well, I hope so, but probably not. Or does just the fact that you know that only 8% of the things we worry about are actually real causes, does just the logic of that work for you? To a certain degree, but probably not well enough. So what can we do? What will you do this week? Find peace with God? Receive peace from God? Trust in the Lord? Do good? Keep a sense of humor? Pray? Delight yourself in the Lord. Do you want to be on the road to gaining freedom from fear and anxiety? Do you want to loosen the strength of this, this, this rope that's strangling or threatening to strangle you or hampering you in your life? Then 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Not my words, the words straight from God, recorded for us in Psalm 37, verse 4. Will you take him at his word? Will you take advantage of his generous offer? Will you adopt this tranquil life? Let's take a moment to pray. And I know you know this, but I'm just going to remind you that prayer is a two-way street. So you go first. We're going to talk to God now. You, you go first. Uh, if those worries and fears and anxieties are still, still a problem, uh, talk to him about it. And I'm going to give you a few seconds, actual silence in the service, so that you can just, you and God, can talk about it. And then if you will allow me, I, I'm going to be the voice of God to those who will listen. I know that's a little bit audacious, but it's just like, just allow then God to speak to you. So you talk to God first, and then in that same spirit, allow God to speak to you. So, in the real sense, in the authentic sense of the word, let us pray. And now God says to each of us who will listen, come sit with me a while. Give yourself to me without reservation. Enjoy my company. Trust in me. Delight in me and my dealings with you. If you do, you won't have any real reason to worry. You won't have any legitimate fears. You won't be paralyzed and neutralized by anxiety. Once you've tried the tranquil life, the life that I offer, you won't ever want to go back to that old life of fretting and worrying and stewing in a pot of jealousy and anger and discontent and worry, and fear, and anxiety. How about it? Will you come to me and find peace? Yes, God, I want to come to you and find peace today. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here that you will draw us into that, that relationship with you. Draw us ever nearer to the heart of God. And as we draw nearer to you, may we find that the worry is dropping away. The fear is melting. And the anxiety is, is disappearing. So we thank you for what you have done, what you've made possible through the cross and the death of Jesus. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do as we continue to walk with the King. And so we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Today is a very special day. 
and we move from that to our celebration of communion, you probably have gotten a little device like this. Most of you have used it before, but in case you haven't, there are two little tabs here. Don't pull them at the same time. It's not a good idea. So pull the top one, and then the bread will come to you. It's really a, a wafer. And then the bottom one carefully will reveal the cup. And so I just want to remind us that we come today seeking peace from God, who is the real answer, as the Prince of Peace. Isn't that what he's called in Isaiah? The Prince of Peace. We've heard this so many times, but I wonder, do we really believe it? In the midst of all the struggles and all the turmoils and all the uncertainty that we're going through, I hope, he ha I hope we do. So I just remember, and you've heard it many times, on the, night he was, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so the disciples, as they were in a circle on the floor, as was customary there, he probably just handed half this way and half this way, and it went around the circle. Today we have our own wafers. So let's partake, remembering we do this in remembrance of him. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's take the cup and remember the blood of Christ shed on the cross for our sins. And those of you that are at home, I hope that you'll be following along with us as well. I love the thought that this cup that Jesus took was the fourth cup of the Passover celebration. And that's why it was after supper he took the cup saying, and it's the cup of redemption. And most of you know that. But just to remind you, that's the cup of redemption. And by offering this, Jesus was saying, I am your redeemer. I have been, I fulfill through my blood. I fulfill what this cup has been talking about for centuries. And so, Lord, it's with great joy and gratitude that we thank you for the death of Christ on the cross. We thank you for the body and the blood which were necessary uh, Without the shedding of blood, your word says there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we thank you that Christ was able and he was willing and he was worthy to shed his blood for our sins. And so, Lord, strengthen us even as we partake. Give us, give us grace that we might grow to be more like Christ. Thank you for brothers and sisters and for your son Christ who is with us today because we've gathered in his name. And we pray all of these things. In Christ's name, amen.